Welcome to Conversations on the Co-Mission, a podcast where we're talking about the topics, the trends, and the issues and missions that impact missionaries and the churches that partner with them. My name is Tony Balava. With me today is Stephen Madoff. And hello there, Tony. We are reunited, and it feels so good if I can make an old <laughs> 70s song reference. Uh, we're back together in our recording studio. I'm glad we were able to continue our podcast uh, recordings while we were away, but it sure is good to be back with you and, and talk with you from yeah. just right right it, in front of me. It's good to be back. It's good being back in our closet. Or <laughs> <laughs> recording studio sounds such more, so much more professional. Definitely, without a doubt. Yeah. One of the things we want to talk about today in our podcast is is really, I think, a lifeline for missionaries mm-hmm. to yeah. the partnering churches. Yep. That if a missionary does not do this part well— it can create a lot of problems for them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, before I even talk about what it is, I think you and I both as field directors with missionaries have had to do uh, kind of troubleshoot and get them out of yes. trouble sometimes yes. with churches because of this complaint. Probably the number one call that I field if there is a an issue with a missionary is the missionary's failure to do this that we're going to talk about. Yeah. So I, I know we're building it up here, but it really is something very important, but it's actually very simple. Yeah. But it is something important that missionaries fail mm-hmm. to do. And that is communication with the partnering churches. Mm-hmm. Something as simple as prayer letters going out. Regularly. Regularly, consistently, mm-hmm. uh, other forms of communication. By far, mm. we live now in a day and age where there's so many avenues by which mm. a missionary can communicate with a church and vice versa, a mm-hmm. church to a missionary. Yep. And even though there are so many ways to do this, sadly, there still is the struggle of missionaries who don't do it very well. Yeah. To yeah. their own detriment. Absolutely. You know, I, I just I just received an email from a supporting church. I was really taken aback because the pastor who wrote it I know very well and is a personal friend. And you couldn't meet a nicer and more laid back guy. But it was an email going out to all the missionaries that this church supports. And it, it said, this email is going out to everybody. Some of you don't need to receive this, but you are. Some of you do need to receive this and read it well. And it was all about the failure of some to communicate with the church. He said in a really interesting statement, he said, you know, it's very, and I think he used the word disheartening or discouraging, to send out support every single month and never hear anything back from the missionaries. Mm. And the policy that the church has is if you don't communicate once in in a quarter, every three months, then they stop sending your support. Well, he took it a step further because the, the policy actually takes it further. But like I said, he's such a nice guy. I was really taken aback, but it said, if we do not receive a prayer letter at a minimum of every 90 days, on the 91st day, we will cease your support and seek somebody else to take your place. Wow. That, uh, and that's frustration on the pastor's part. Absolutely. It is a problem. It, it is. is a problem. As you said, it's one of the th- most common things we deal with. Mm-hmm. I know I've, I've fielded those phone calls or emails that come in here to the office to say, hey, what's up with Missionary X? I have not received a prayer letter from them in a long time. Sometimes the missionary is sending those letters. They're just not getting through because of email address or 
any number of issues. But there are times, without a doubt, that that missionary is just delinquent in his correspondence. Mm-hmm. And so it is something simple, but it is something I think needs to be emphasized. Mm-hmm. And, and it's worth us communicating and talking about today. I'd like to think that there's two branches that we'll cover. One is the missionary updating the church mm-hmm. that, that partner with them. But then also, I think there is an aspect very much for the churches updating and communicating yes. with the missionary. Mm-hmm. We use the word partnering quite mm-hmm. often. I mean, that's, yeah. that's our kind of theme, I would say. It is so good for a missionary to hear what is going on in one of their churches mm-hmm. that partner with yeah. them. For myself that I only have about five or six churches that write me. I love getting updates about their revivals or what's going on in their church or things that are happening, blessings and and how God's working. I heard from one pastor, one of my uh, partnering pastors, just uh, uh, last week, he he took a group of seven young people down to a uh, youth conference. One surrendered their life to missions as a result. All that I'm able to rejoice with him in that. to me, that's exciting. As, as a missionary, there is yeah. a flow of dialogue happening between me and them. And, and I think I love that because yeah. it's not just a one-way yeah. street of me communicating to them as a missionary. Right. Well, we talk about partnerships, but we talk about relationships as well. And, and for any relationship to be effective, there has to be communication. And it has to be both ways. It has to be a two-way communication. I think of that, the, the example I just gave. Interestingly enough... I do only have a few, like you, churches who communicate with me regularly about what's happening in the church. But the pastor who wrote that email and said, hey, enough is enough, guys. Let's get the prayer letters. That's a church that actually communicates with its missionaries on a very regular basis Mm -hmm. about what's going on. So they're actually doing more than what a lot of churches are doing as supporting churches in that communication field. You could understand then the the pastor's frustration when he wasn't getting the communication that, by the way, their missions policy, you sign and it says, hey, one of the things I'm committing to do is is to is send you a prayer letter every every three months. I find that more and more pastors and churches are making that a part of something that they give to you as a missionary and say, hey, will you commit to this? It's a sign of the times. It's they do it because they're not getting the letters. Most policies are formed because somebody didn't do something they were supposed to do. But it's really, really important. And I do agree that uh, it's so helpful when the churches communicate because missionaries talk about needing support. Almost every missionary will say this. I don't think they say it as a cliche. I need your prayer support more than I need your financial support. That really is true. And missionaries who understand that they enter into that partnership or to use the term co-laborers together as Paul used they understand that it's it's vital that they pray for their supporting churches you can pray for okay bless this church bless this pastor but if you know what's going on you you can pray so much more effectively and I, I don't know a pastor in the world that doesn't covet more effectual prayers from people absolutely because i know in my own life i can attest to that that i can pray specifically for what's going on as i'm made aware of that mm-hmm. and we obviously have talked at length at different podcasts and in, in previous episodes about churches that have maybe a missions policy, missions committee, things like that. And so try to designate a person of that church, whether it be the pastor, whether it be an assistant pastor, or someone with a heart for missions, 
to communicate and just mm-hmm. send a letter out, uh, an email out, mm-hmm. uh, something of that nature to those missionaries to keep them mm-hmm. informed. Mm-hmm. And so I know when we start off talking about the topic, people are going to think, man, we just jump right onto the missionaries. Well, actually, we're starting off with the pastors <laughs> and saying, hey, churches, I think it's worth the time for pastors and churches to write the missionaries. I think so. Yeah. But I, the the big problem is probably more so even on the missionaries to the pastors and to the churches. Well, I think that the missionaries have an obligation um, to to communicate. A lot of churches look at their missionaries as an extension of their ministry. The least you could do is send them a little bit of information about how the money is being used that they're sending. And, you know, it's an investment that they're making in the missionary's life. And I think the missionary could um, at least send something that says, hey, thank you, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, here's what fruit is abounding to your account. And you look at the Apostle Paul, look at the the uh, epistle to the Philippians. Isn't that exactly what he was doing? I mean, that was a missionary prayer letter for all intents and purposes. And he basically says, look, at, there is fruit abounding to your account because of how you invested in the ministry God has given to me, and you've helped to uh, allow me to carry that on. And so there's a biblical precedent for this as well, that it takes place. And missionaries who don't do it, do it to their, that don't communicate regularly, do it to their own detriment, because I think both of us could probably cite examples of churches that have called and say, you know what, that's it. We've, we've tried and tried and tried, and we've been patient and now we're going to look to reinvest somewhere else with somebody who will form a real partnership with us yep. instead of a one-way street. One of the things that uh, that often happens with missionary prayer letters is that uh, the standard, I would guess, and you mentioned it even, is writing a letter once every every quarter. Mm-hmm. So you're getting four letters a year. Uh, that's sort of like the, I think, the minimum that should be done mm-hmm. is four letters a year once a quarter to give an update to church about what's going on. But what I do see is for those those missionaries, and I have some in, in Southeast Asia and the South Pacific, they would actually send a prayer letter out every month. Mm. Now, not every month is there exciting stuff going on. Missionaries do look for what's the what's the stuff I can put in there that that as a church reads, it makes it feel like I'm I'm really doing work out here. Well, not every month has that. Sometimes mm-hmm. we do have slow months where you're just kind of doing the plotting of of the the of the field that God placed you in. But what I have seen, though, is this. Churches love com- hearing communication and being updated on what's going mm-hmm. on. So if a missionary is writing every month and sending a prayer letter out, that the church is okay if there's a maybe a month where there's not anything exciting mm-hmm. to report because they're just glad to see what's going on and they're getting some feedback and getting an update. And, and, and I think that helps the missionary the more churches can be updated and in the loop on what's going on, the better it is for everyone. Mm-hmm. So the the once a quarter is the minimum. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be said about maybe upping it to every every two months. I think that mm-hmm. that helps even in a bigger way. Yeah, the more you communicate, the stronger the relationship becomes. We had, and when I was pastoring in Arizona, we had a missionary who was literally halfway around the world from us. And yet every single Sunday, now I don't know when he 
wrote the letter, and I know for sure that he had it on some kind of email timer, which in today's world is not hard to do. You know, you write your email and you say, send this at such and such a time on such and such a date. Uh, but every Sunday at about 8.50 a.m. in my time zone, and I believe it was for whatever time zone the churches were in, you got a quick update for what happened in that previous week in the mystery, in the ministry of that of that missionary. Like you said, it wasn't always exciting stuff. It might have been just, hey, it was just another week. We handed out some tracts. We did this uh, normal everyday missionary kind of stuff that people do. But I can tell you what happened because it hit the email right before Sunday school started. Guess whose update got read at every single Sunday school? And guess who people knew about in our missionary family more than a lot of the others? And it was simply because somebody figured out the more I communicate, the stronger the relationship will be. And with the amount of tools that are available now for communication, Mm -hmm. obviously prayer letters is probably the most common way. Mm -hmm. But social media today also allows so many ways to communicate and give Mm -hmm. updates I mean, I, I go across even my like Facebook feed, and you see missionaries, and sometimes it's a video clip of a maybe a, a them with someone they're doing a Bible study with, and, and they're talking and saying, hey, let me introduce you to so-and-so, mm-hmm. and he just got saved two months ago, and we're starting a sure. Bible study and things. Well, that's exciting to see and to, and to kind of see in real time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, wow, that's, that's neat. It does something in your own heart as someone's like who knows that missionary to go, wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And you're not waiting on a letter or something. So it's taking advantage of social media to promote what God is doing on the foreign field or wherever somebody may be serving. Sure. And some of some of the missionaries I've noticed more and more are they they publish that email like you said and sometimes it gets lost. Sometimes the email doesn't make it through and email address changes. Sometimes they're sending a hard copy and and that gets lost um uh, but I I notice that now a lot of times in my Twitter feed, especially, I'll see, hey, we just published our prayer letter and here's a link to it. And so it's just another means if, if it, okay, maybe you sent it to the church and maybe the church won't click on it or the pastor won't, but maybe there are people in that church who will read it and won't have to wait until the next time the church reads the prayer letters or gets it posted but then also everybody else that you're communicating with on social media is getting that information as well. And so I think it's a great idea and just kind of a, a, a double indemnity insurance program to say, hey, I want to make sure people are getting the communication I'm sending. You can never hurt yourself by getting that information out to people. Mm-hmm. And, and it really does help you. I can just give a personal testimony that, you know, my family, we did not come back on furlough for 10 years. And mm-hmm. so we were not here in the States. But churches were—I tried to keep them up to date on everything. I would send an email, as you mentioned already, about emails. I, meant, I would send an email update every two weeks. Every, mm-hmm. every Monday morning on, on every other week, I'd give an update on what's going on, what's, what's up in the week ahead, what's happened in the week past. And that kept people up to date. So though I wasn't physically there to kind of show up and give a report to a church because of us not leaving Australia for so many years— Churches did know what was going on, 
then, of course, we used our prayer letters and things of that nature. And I know that that helped me because sometimes people say, well, you didn't come back for 10 years. How did your supporting churches handle that? How did they, mm. did they drop you? And honestly, I did not have any churches drop me. And I, the reason I'm convinced of that is because they knew what was going on. The sure. more informed a church is, the better they are in, in partnering with that missionary. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, it's so vital to keep pastors up to date and churches up to date. And we've spoken about the, the prayer letters. When we were on the field, social media basically didn't exist. Right. Um, texting didn't exist. <laughs> so, but what, Way to make us feel old here. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> what, what I did was um, I talked about the, the, those who are sending out the link on the, their Twitter feed. Well, I sent out an email and I sent a hard copy, <laughs> and and pastors would sometimes tell me, "Don't do that." You know, you're you're sending a stamp from across the border; it's costing you money. And I would tell them, I would rather spend the money on the stamp and make sure you get my communication than to cross my fingers and hope you get the email. You know, and then the other thing I would do is um, I would. F- kind of figure out most pastors have a day of the week that they take kind of and maybe it's an office day but it's not as heavy in their schedule I don't know a lot of pastors who actually take a whole day yeah. off but I would try to figure out what day that was for my supporting pastors the different ones and every once in a while I would give them a call and just touch base with them and see how they were doing and and uh, see if there was something we could pray about for them and talk to them and just really, again, building relationships uh, with those pastors, letting them know that we appreciated what they were doing and their part in the ministry that God had entrusted us with. And, and we were able to build really strong relationships with our supporting pastors through that. And I would, uh, you know, today it's so much easier. You mentioned we can we can text somebody. You can it doesn't cost you a penny to send a text to a mm-hmm. pastor around the world anymore. Or you could um, use some of the apps. Marco Polo do the recorded video and send it off. You know, you record it in your time zone. They get it later on and. Yep. There's so many means and and ways to do it. We had a missionary in Africa who would um, just kind of do short video snippets and send those to us small enough that he could send it by email. But we would play those in our services, and, and people really connected well with that. So missionaries really need to understand. Um, I think it was William Carey who said, "Look, it, I'll go if you hold the if you hold the ropes." Mm-hmm. You, you need to understand that the rope or, or the lifeline is that line of communication back to churches that are supporting you. And, and again, thinking about using the tools of, of today, it is, I think it's so neat to even try to bring a missionary into a church service using like a, a video call. Mm-hmm. Now there's so many platforms on which to use. <laughs> Too I mean, many. <laughs> I think if nothing else, 2020 has created so many different tools mm-hmm. on which to do a video conference call. And it's or not something. scary anymore. <laughs> exactly. It used to be really scary to do that. <laughs> well, everyone's used to it. Yep. And and I know there's been even when I was back in Australia, there'd be times when a church would say, "Hey, can we just wanted to give an can you give an update to us on a Sunday night?" Now I was over in Australia, so that was times it'd be early morning for me, mm-hmm. uh, but. I was okay with that. It didn't it didn't bother me because to me again, the more I can communicate with them the better. And I loved 
being able to actually see the church mm-hmm. and, and talk and have questions. There was a, a church up in Michigan that would have me in quite frequently to do a an update, and they would do Skype, and and the pastor would kind of moderate, and then people in the audience would ask questions, He would, and you couldn't sometimes hear him, so he would then relay the question to me. And, and here I was talking with the church yeah. and answering them in real time. And, and to me, that was just so much fun. And I know that that church knew what was going on in my ministry, and and I knew what was going on in, in their church work. And they even have still continued to do that, even in as I moved to this role of Southeast Asia and South Pacific Field Director, they still will ask for updates through that. And I love it. I love seeing them and seeing familiar faces and, and talking with the church. Churches should try to take advantage of those means. We have these tools and there is something exciting for a church to hear a guy somewhere overseas. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest things, I was in a missions conference and in, in South Carolina, and we were talking to the assistant Southeast Asia director, Alan Brooks. He was in Papua New Guinea, mm. and he was just pulled on the side of the road in the middle of the bush of Papua New Guinea. So you're talking about a visual. Mm. I mean, it was pretty cool. It looked like... You know, that nostalgic view of yeah. missions where it's just all these palm trees behind them and the sun and, and all this. So here they, this church was in South Carolina talking to him in the middle of the bush of Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, because I was there at that church conference with them. There was an excitement like, wow, check it out. He, you know, we're seeing Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that helps a church. And that helped Brother Brooks as they loved hearing in real time uh, statements of what's happening. And -hmm. it just drew everyone together. And they prayed for him, and they prayed. And and I know that there's a connection between that church and him, partly because they do things like that. Yeah. Well, it's so important that that missionaries just kind of discipline themselves to get the communication done. And, And the truth is, every missionary will probably tell you one of their most dreaded tasks is to sit down and write the prayer letter. Even today, mm-hmm. to this day, I don't like to sit down and write the prayer letter. Yep. Um, it's It takes a lot more time than most people would imagine. And, you know, usually it's not hard for me to fill a page with information and just kind of move on. But when I want to write the prayer letter, I really have to take time to think exactly what the Lord would have us to communicate and all of that. And and so it, it is time-consuming, but it's it, it's an investment in the relationship with that, that partnering church, and it's so very important that missionaries do that. I'm going to bring it around back to the churches just for a second because we have a church that is so good at communicating with us and has for so long now. And what what they do is every single year— we get a note at, from whenever they hold their missions conference toward the beginning of the year. We'll receive a note in the mail from somebody in the church. Sometimes it's somebody we've met. Sometimes it's a brand new member in the church. And they say, listen, this, I am your prayer partner this year. Mm-hmm. They really have trained the people well in in keeping consistent. And I would say through the years, those prayer partners that we have had— they communicate with us usually at least every month. Uh, sometimes it's a note. Sometimes it's an email. Sometimes it can be a text. But you're building a relationship with that person in the church, 
And some of them are excited about missions and end up in missions themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a great opportunity for missionaries to say, you know what, this is part of my ministry because I want more missionaries. Yeah. And, and to be able to have that influence in somebody's life for a whole year uh, where they're your prayer partner, you're praying for them, you, they're praying for you, and you're communicating, and the pastors ask them to do that, and you can influence them for missions for a whole year. Why would you not take advantage of that? Well, you're touching on something. I know I've talked about my pet peeves before on some of our episodes. Well, you're you're talking touching on something that is so important to me, and it is a pet peeve of mine when you have someone from a church— could be a pastor, could be a uh, just a layperson, could be an, a kid in Sunday school who writes a missionary. And you get those questions, you know, sometimes, especially from the kids, you know, what do you eat over there and what's mm-hmm. it, what are the animals and what's it like? And it bugs me to no end when that missionary does not write them back. Mm-hmm. It is a personal conviction of mine that if someone writes me, I will write them back. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter if it is that kindergarten kid who— Especially it, if it's the kindergarten—I love those. Those yeah. are like my favorite ones. <laughs> I mean, I've had classes, you know, you have a, a, maybe a Christian school, and they'll have their first grade class, and they'll write mm-hmm. little cards. I will write them back. Or it could be that family who has just a, a question about missions, and, and I made sure to write them back. To me, that is so important to do— we pray for laborers. We pray for God to work in hearts. And here's someone's emailing me or, or writing me a letter or sending me a card or whatever it may be. And I have an opportunity to to kind of communicate to them. You don't know what God can do through mm-hmm. that. Even if it doesn't kind of translate into them becoming a missionary, they have a heart for missions at that moment. And I right. want to do everything I can to foster that. Mm-hmm. because. And this goes back to kind of an experience I had. I remember when I was a young person, I wrote a missionary to ask those questions about what do you eat and what do you do and what's your day like, and I never got the response. Mm. And and I remember that very vividly, and I committed, Lord, if someone writes me, I will write them back. And I think I've tried to keep that all these years. If someone's listening to this and go, he didn't write me back, well, let me tell you, it was totally by accident because I really am committed to that. And and I think that's something that missionaries have to be passionate about is, hey, if someone writes me, write them back. Yeah. I think, honestly, you make a great point, but I think that point really is just common courtesy. I have always made it a point to respond to communications that I get. It may take me longer than I like to sometimes. Sometimes it takes me a couple weeks to get to an email because you know, it's not unusual for us to get dozens and dozens of emails every single day and you have to wade through and decide what can I get to today. But I don't just archive it. I don't just file it. It really is something that bothers me personally mm-hmm. in, in, in my life. If I, I know, man, I've got to communicate. I've got to get back to that person. Even if it's two sentences, yep. at least I've responded and they know Number one, I appreciate that they communicated with me. Number two, we can start to maybe build some kind of relationship and correspondence, or or maybe it's just a one-time thing, but at least they they know that uh, somebody cared enough to, to respond back. And so it's so important to do that. Yeah, and I think overall, as we've talked about, that there is, there is a tremendous importance of churches communicating to missionaries, 
Mm-hmm. And there's obviously the importance of missionaries communicating to churches. And the more that the, that level uh, of communication flows from both sides, I think the stronger the relationship and partnership yeah. can be yeah. between the two sides. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, every every single podcast we talk about partnering with churches. And it's, it's not a six-month partnership that we're looking for. We're looking for lifelong partnerships. And so... Again, the only way that that relationships work, we know this in the most basic relationships in our lives, husband and wife, parent and and child, uh, employer-employee, there has to be two-way communication. Mm -hmm. There has to be two-way communication between the missionary and the churches, and it's biblical. We've already said, you know, Paul did this. He wrote back to those churches that supported him, and so... As you're listening to this, if you're a missionary and you haven't written your prayer letter, do it. <laughs> I know it's hard. I know it takes some time, but it's important. If you're somebody who's just starting off in missions, maybe make that commitment now and say, you know what? I am going to be somebody who really puts an emphasis on communication, and I'll get back to those people who communicate with me. I'll reach out as the Lord gives me opportunity. And I would encourage pastors to encourage their church to uh, to regularly communicate with missionaries, or pastors even do that. I know pastors who, they may just send me a direct message on a, on, on a social media, but it's encouraging, and, and it's just a reminder that uh, I'm not alone in what we're doing because sometimes missionaries can feel that way, like, oh, I'm alone. So many things that we could still talk about and other ways that missionaries could creatively communicate with churches or churches could communicate with their missionaries, but it is vital that they just do it, just get it done. And so we thank you for taking this time to spend uh, this half hour or so, a little bit less than a half hour of your week with us. We count it a privilege to have spent this time with you. We hope it's helpful to you. If you have any comments or questions, contact us. Our information's in the show notes. And we look forward to meeting with you next time. But until then, have a great week in the Lord.